Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio. This is the Body of Christ Church. And welcome. This is the Body of Christ Church. And welcome. Head is the key. Is the key. Nothing to do with that. So when we look at a true 
holiday that's biblical, a true Christian holiday, meaning that cometh of Christ, that's already in the Bible for us. And when we look in the Bible and we read about Leviticus, in Leviticus, the 23rd chapter, about the Feast of Tabernacles, when you read it in the Old and the New, you find out that this is a true holiday, a true holy day that we should be celebrating and keeping as a nation. So verse, what verse now? You can go read us back in verse um, 37. Leviticus 23, verse 37. These are the feasts of the Lord, which ye shall proclaim to be holy convocations, to offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord, a burnt offering and a meat offering, a sacrifice and a drink offering, everything upon his day. So when you look at that, on those days, what did they do? They sacrificed to the Lord. They had burnt offerings, sacrifices, all those things. We know that we're not dealing with a fleshly sacrifice anymore. Because those things we know now, according to Romans, the 12th chapter, who's the sacrifice now? We are. Beseech you, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you present your bodies that living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and that you be not conformed to this world, but be what? Be transformed by renewing of the mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect. So that's what we're dealing with. So when we're doing that, making ourselves conform to the image of the Heavenly Father's only begotten Son and not conform to this world and bring forth those true sacrifices and those true offerings, those are the things that we're supposed to be doing even in commemoration of these holy days. Verse 38, besides the Sabbath of the Lord and besides your gifts, and besides all your vows, and besides all your free will offerings which you give unto the Lord. Also, in the fifteenth day of the seventh month, when ye have gathered in the fruit of the land, ye shall keep a feast unto the Lord seven days. On the first day shall be a Sabbath, and on the eighth day shall be a Sabbath. And ye shall take you on the first day the boughs of goodly trees, branches of palm trees, and the boughs of thick trees, and willows of the brook, and ye shall rejoice before the Lord your God seven days. So, as we start going into the Feast of Tabernacles, and you start looking at the ordinances that were attached to it, like all the feast days, the ordinances were made in commemoration of something. When you look at the times of even the Passover, why were they, when you look at the ordinances of the Passover, why was it so fixed on the unleavened bread, the blood of the goat, blood of the lamb, the blood of the goat over the doorpost and all these things, and eating it in haste, and everything was made in commemoration of what?
and brought us into our own land. So we celebrated the day with that understanding. We couldn't celebrate the Passover in the Old Testament with the understanding that the Lamb was going to come and shed his blood and that that Lamb was going to be the Son of God, who we know as, who we knew as Jesus the Christ, who through his shedding of the blood was had become the Passover himself. So that was why when you look at even the holy days of the Bible, the understanding that our forefathers had of this and the understanding that we will come to have as time goes on is not one and the same. It's going to increase. It's going to become manifest as more than what we understood it as. So even though you look at the Feast of Tabernacles to our forefathers, it was just a commemoration of the time that we spent in the wilderness, but by the time you get to the New Testament, the fullness of that understanding comes around as well. Continue. And I just wanted to bring another point, too, just a, a, a minor point, but so that everyone understands. When you read back in Leviticus, the 23rd chapter, some people may be confused. I mean, a lot of you all know what it is, but you read in Leviticus 23 and verse 39, it says, also in the 15th day of the seventh month. So some people are saying, well, you guys aren't even doing it at the right time because the 15th day of the seventh month, the seventh month is what they would call what? July. But when you look at what it actually is, and we deal with the feast according to the new moons, which come in their season, it tells you that it's Psalm 83. When you look at the month of the year, and even when you look at when this feast normally falls, which is in the month September, even that prefix of sept means seven, just like ox means eight, and no means nine, and dex means ten. What they did when you read in Daniels is how they thought to change times and laws, they changed times and laws, but they left the names of the month. Some are named for their idols, clearly, like January and February, but then others are numbers, which are like September, October, November, December, 7th, 8th, 9th, 10th. So right now, according to the new moon, we are in the midst of the seventh month and the 15th day during that week, which we celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles. So verse 40 says, and ye shall take you on the first day the boughs of goodly trees, branches of palm trees, and the boughs of thick trees and willows of the brook, and ye shall rejoice before the Lord your God seven days. And ye shall keep it a feast unto the Lord seven days in the year. It shall be a statute forever in your generations. Ye shall celebrate it in the seventh month. So when, even when you look at how we celebrate a lot of the feast days, one of the things that happens, especially when we're in captivity in these lands, we already know we're keeping these days. A lot of times we just observe the first day and last day because the first day is the Sabbath and the last day is the Sabbath. That's not how it's meant to be kept. It's, uh, it's going to be a feast all the way through. Even though the first and last day is the Sabbath, we're still in the midst of a feast all these other days. If we were keeping it the way it was kept in ancient times, it wouldn't look like the way it looks now with everybody still going about all their duties, handling everything that they're doing, going to work, coming home, and acting like it's not a feast, it would still look like a feast all those days, with the exception that the first and last day would be Sabbath. Verse 43. No, 42. Ye shall dwell in booths seven days. All that are Israelite born shall dwell in booths, that your generations may know that I made the children of Israel to dwell in booths when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. 
And Moses declared unto the children of Israel the feast of the Lord. So right there is letting you know what it was about. That you may know that I made them to dwell in booths when they came out of Egypt. And those were going into the years that were spent in the wilderness. Now, we already know that when we came out of the Exodus, we didn't just come out of Egypt and go right into our land. There was a period of time that passed. A period of time of how long? Anthony, how long? So when you look at that 40 years that we were out in the wilderness, what was that about while we there? We just couldn't find our way. So we out the people that didn't uh, serve the Lord. Who did he take your side? 
He took those people that were rulers to the nobles, the royalty, and so forth. He took the princes and the nobles. Exactly. He took the princes and the nobles in captivity and left the rest behind. So you had everybody else left to fend for themselves for those 70 years. They didn't have a priest. They didn't have prophets. They didn't have anybody there really guiding them for that whole time. So in that time that they were away, they, the land and everybody fell into decay. So now you have Ezra teaching the people who were there and the ones who returned all these commandments, and they're totally ignorant of these same feast days that we're reading about. Let's prove it. Continue. And Ezra blessed the people, excuse me, verse 7. Also, Jeshua and Benai, and Sherebiah and Jamin and Akub, Shabbatai, Hodijah, Masajah, Melita, Azariah, Josabad, Hanan, Pelahiah, and the Levites caused the people to understand the law, and the people stood in their place. So they read in the book, in the law of God, distinctly, and gave the sense and cause them to understand the reading. So now they have a teaching priest for the first time in a long time, explaining to them the law, the same law which they had been away from for so long, and something happens when the people hear it. Verse 9. And Nehemiah, which is the Tershasah, the Tershasah means he was the governor, and Ezra, the priest, the scribe, and the Levites that taught the people said unto all the people, this day is holy unto the Lord your God. Mourn not, nor weep. For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. And why were they weeping when they heard the words of the Lord? Because they weren't keeping it. When you read, in this, when you read the beginning of this chapter, it tells you what day it was. Let's jump back to chapter 8, verse 1, and then we're going to move jump back forward again. Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 1. And all the people gathered themselves together as one man into the street that was before the water gate, and they spake unto Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded to Israel. So now then Ezra's bringing the book of the law to the people, and he's going to tell you what day this was. And Ezra the priest brought the law before the congregation, both of men and women, and all that could hear with understanding Upon the first day of the seventh month. First day of the seventh month. What feast day is that? The memorial of the trumpets. Yes, it is. So we celebrated that just a little over a week ago. The first day of the seventh month, that new moon. So now you'll understand that as he's bringing these laws out and reading this to the people, why are the people weeping? They're weeping because this is the first time they, some of them are ever hearing this. So back to... Verse 9 again. And Nehemiah, which is the Tershasah, and Ezra the priest, the scribe, and the Levites that taught the people, said unto all the people, This day is holy unto the Lord your God. Mourn not, nor weep, for all the people wept when they heard the words of the Lord. And they were weeping when they heard the words of the Lord because now these words are coming out. They were destitute for 70 years. They had nobody teaching them these things. And now they find out that these are laws, statutes, and commandments that they've been abandoned for all these years. And even the holy days of the Lord, these holidays, Sabbaths, which they were not keeping. So now they're convicted in their spirit when they hear this, the way our people should be when they hear that, they, when they hear that these days, 
the way many of us were. When we found out that these days were in the Bible, we were cutting our heart and convicted. And we knew, like like they knew, that something was wrong. Some of us cried like they cried. But now, the words of the priest went out saying, mourn not, neither weep, because this day is holy. It's not a day of sorrow. It's not a day of despair. It's not a day of mourning. It's a day of mirth and gladness. Continue. Then he said unto them, go your way, eat the fat, and drink the sweet, and send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. But this day is holy unto our Lord. Neither be ye sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So that's what I'm supposed to rejoice in. The joy of the Lord is our strength. And we're supposed to remember that during the days of myrrh and gladness, especially. We're supposed to remember that during our holidays. Because a lot of times what happens is we get caught up in the rat race of this world. We forget that we even in a holiday. You go to work, you come home, you're tired, your head hurts. You don't want to get up for the Sabbath and all of those things. That's because we're so far removed that we take things for granted. We forgot there was a time when we, wouldn't, we didn't even know how to keep these days. We didn't even know about these days. The same like the people we're reading about right now. But we're not supposed to take it as a light thing. The same way those days were given back to our forefathers then, these days were given back to us. Because most of us did not spend our life keeping these days. We spent our life keeping everything else. So the Levites stilled all the people saying, Hold your peace, for the day is holy, neither be ye grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and to drink and to send portions and to make great mirth, because they have understood the words that were declared unto them. So that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to be rejoicing in the Lord because we understand these laws that are declared to us. Many people don't. Many people will go to their grave, never understanding these words that are declared to us. I mean, it's just a blessing. You remember that, like, when it talks about the regular Sabbath, it talks about how man was not made for the Sabbath, the Sabbath was made for man. These are beautiful days. These are great days. These are days that we get together, we have a good time, and we see each other, and we let off steam. And we're able to just celebrate and have that joy amongst one another and that strength in the Lord. But a lot of people don't see the blessing in this because they look back and they say, well, you know what? What is this? Where is this from? But they have to understand that this is something for us. These are days that we're supposed to keep, and we should be happy when we learn of these days and keep them in all joy. Because the alternative is to keep celebrating Christmas, which is satanic, Easter, which is satanic, Halloween, which is satanic, and every other day that we can list these days on all those days are satanic. But to come back and have a real holy day that's righteous and good, this is a blessing, and we're supposed to be thankful and joyful to have these days with us. And so as we read on, we're going to find out that another holiday was given to them because they learned about the memorial blowing the trumpets, but what was the next day that they kept? Verse 13. And on the second day were gathered together the chief of the fathers of all the people, the priests and the Levites, unto Ezra the scribe, even to understand the words of the Lord. So what were they coming for? They were coming for a lesson. They were coming to be taught. They were coming to understand. <laughs> they weren't coming. You know what? It's, it's bring it out. People go to church.
to hear a what? Song, to have some fun, to have a good time. They're in there dancing. It looks like a hip-hop club in some of these churches. But that's not what they were coming for. These people said, the scriptures said they came. And on the second day were gathered together the chief of the fathers of all the people, the priests and the Levites, unto ever the scribes, even to understand the words of the law. They came to understand the words of the law. They came to learn the Bible. Some people will come here and say, man, this is a boring church. Y'all don't sing? Where your fire at? Where's the organ? That's not what we're here for. If that's what you're looking for, that's all right, but it's not here. If you come here, you're coming to understand the words of the law and Christ and repentance, and that's what these brothers and sisters were doing back then. They were coming to learn. And they found written in the law, which the Lord had commanded by Moses, that the children of Israel should dwell in booths in the feast of the seventh month. So still remembering that this is before Christ, they came to learn about the children, how the children of Israel were to dwell in booths on the seventh month, which is also, that's why this feast has three names. One is called Feast of Tabernacles, speak up. Feast of Tabernacles, Feast of Ingathering. And when you read it in Leviticus 23, at the end, it covered all three of them. So it has three names, and they came and they learned that. And then it says what? Verse 15. And that they should publish and proclaim in all the cities and in Jerusalem, saying, Go forth unto the mount and fetch olive branches and pine branches and myrtle branches and palm branches and branches of thick trees to make booths, as it is written. So what they did was they actually learned the law, and they kept the law. They rejoiced in it. This is what the Lord's people are going to do. They're not going to say, man, where did that come from? You're going to open up the Bible, read, see where it came from, and then you're going to start to keep what is written in the law. Go ahead. So the people went forth and brought them and made themselves booths, everyone upon the roof of his house and in the courts and in the courts of the house of God and in the streets of the water gates and in the streets of the gate of Ephraim, and all the congregation of them that were that were come again out of the captivity made booths, and sat under the booths. For since the days of Joshua the son of Nun, mm. unto that day had not the children of Israel done so, and there was very great gladness. So the passage of time is no excuse for not keeping the commandments, because since the time of Joshua up until then, they hadn't kept it. But once they found out what they were supposed to keep, they started keeping it. Verse 18. Also, day by day, from the first day unto the last day, he read in the book of the law of God, and they kept the feast seven days. And on the eighth day was a solemn assembly according unto the manner. So they kept it from the first day to the last day all eight days, and then on the last day was a solemn day, which meant it was a what? It was a Sabbath. In that time, you see, they came together every day, like Akarai was explaining, and then on that very last day, they kept that Sabbath like they were supposed to. But even if we're not coming together every day, they're still supposed to be in the Word every day. Right. I mean, that goes without saying, but it still shows you right there that when they came together, they were bringing that Word out every single day during that week. So let's make a trip to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 8. Okay, um, in that verse, uh, Nehemiah, chapter 8, 
We might well take over. We might well take over the world right there. You look at that number that we had, but still, when you think about that large number, and remember the fact that two people made it in, that's very, very humbling. That's very humbling, and it lets you know what the Lord meant when He said, "I did it to prove you, to humble you, and to know if you were going to keep My commandments or not." Continue. And he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger, and fed thee with manna which thou knewest not. Neither did thy fathers know, that he might make thee know that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord does man live. So there was a lesson in that. We were allowed to hunger, but still, what happened? The Lord still provided us with food in the form of manna, and we had absolutely nothing. Thy raiment waxed not old upon thee, neither did thy foot swell thee forty years. Thou shalt also consider in thine heart that as a man chasteneth his son, so the Lord thy God chasteneth thee. So all those things were right there. So when we look at even the Feast of Tabernacles, and we say, well, it's not about just, hey, well, we go up in the wilderness. Hey, they built foods back in the days. What is it really, what is it really about? It's about the lessons that the Lord brought us through on those days. It's about the fact that he made us suffer hunger, suffer thirst, suffer want and need. But what was the purpose? That we had to learn to trust him. We had to learn to put our faith in him. We had to rely on him for our food. We had to rely on him for our drink. We had to rely on him for our raiment. Some of us work, some of us work a hard day, come home, we can't even stand because your foot swelled up, you're tired, all of those things. They walked 40 years, and their feet never swelled. They never had to change clothes. So everything was preserved by the Lord. Read verse 6. Therefore, thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God to walk in his ways and to fear him. And that's what it was supposed to be. We were supposed to learn the fear of the Lord during that time. And for those of you who are not familiar with the book of Numbers, take some time and read that. Because we can't even go through all the things that happened during that time in the book of Numbers. Read it from beginning to end if you have never done that. Read about the different plagues that came on our people for our rebelliousness. Read about the times when our people rebelled against Moses over and over and over again. The times when we doubted the food coming and went out to gather manna on the Sabbath day. All of those things are written in the book of Numbers, and it's written for our learning and our admonition. So go to Exodus chapter 13, verse 21. Because when we were going through the wilderness and through from leaving from Egypt before we entered into the land that would become known as Israel, we traveled, and it's going to talk about how we traveled. And this is Exodus 13 and 21. And that followed by number nine. Yeah. The book of Exodus, chapter 13, verse 21. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of a cloud to lead them to lead them the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, to go by day and night. He took not away the pillar of the cloud by day, nor the pillar of fire by night from the people, from before the people. So when you look at that, this is 
how we were guided from Egypt into our land. There was a pillar of fire, a pillar of a cloud to lead us in the way by day, and there was a pillar of fire that led us by night. And the scriptures go more into detail about how that worked because it was for 40 years. So how did that work? Let's go to Numbers chapter 9 and start with 15. So when the brother Carl was going into the whole thing about it being temporary housing, why was it temporary? Why do we have these these basically tabernacles or little booths that you set up? Like if you look at how they used to build like log cabins and they'd have sticks and build them up one level all the way up, that's what these tabernacles were like. And so why did we have these houses that we had to be able to break down and travel with? There's a reason, and it's in um, Numbers chapter 9, verse 15. The book of Numbers chapter 9, verse 15. And on the day that the tabernacle was reared up, I'm sorry, we thought it was. And on that day that the tabernacle was reared up, the cloud covered the tabernacle, namely the tent of the testimony. And at even there was upon the tabernacle, as it were, the appearance of fire until the morning. So this was the pillar of uh, the cloud and the pillar of fire. That was leading us. Go ahead. So it was always the cloud covered it by day and the appearance of fire by night. Mm-hmm. And when the cloud was taken up from the tabernacle, then then after that, the children of Israel journeyed. And in the place where the cloud abode, there the children of Israel pitched their tent. So at any time, we had to be ready to go. So when you see the, the cloud was moving... No matter what we were doing, you had to pick up, grab your stuff, and go, or you were going to be what? Left behind. Go ahead. At the commandment of the Lord, the children of Israel journeyed, and at the commandment of the Lord, they pitched. As long as the cloud abode upon the tabernacle, they rested in their tent. Mm-hmm. And when the cloud tarried long upon the tabernacle, many days, then the children of Israel kept the charge of the Lord and journeyed not. And so it was. When the cloud was a few days upon the tabernacle, according to the commandments of the Lord, they abode in their tents. And according to the commandments of the Lord, they journeyed. So this is what our forefathers knew this day to be about, because it talked about how the Most High made us to dwell in booths. So this is what would happen. We would get up. We would set up our shop. While that remained still, we stayed still. Whether it was for days, months, years, as it's going to go on and explain, we stayed still. But when that cloud started moving, we packed up all our belongings, packed up our boots, and we followed that cloud. And that's symbolic of, jumping ahead a little bit, what is that symbolic of? What is it symbolic of? Following Christ. Following Christ. But we're going to, we'll get to it, and we'll go a little bit further. Go ahead. Verse 21. And so it was, when the cloud abode from even unto morning, and that the cloud was taken up in the morning, then they journeyed, whether it was by day or by night, that the cloud was taken up, they journeyed. Mm-hmm. So that means that if it was the middle of the morning and that cloud moved, you moved. If it was three in the morning and it's pitch black outside, if that pillar of fire moved, we moved. Verse 22. Or whether it was two days mm-hmm. or a month or a year, that the cloud tarried upon the tabernacle, remaining thereon, the children of Israel abode in their tents and journeyed not. But when it was taken up, they journeyed. So we had to get up and follow it no matter what. We had to move. 
You couldn't you couldn't do what you want to do. Well, I'm tired today. I don't feel like carrying this. You'd be left in the wilderness to fend on your own. And how are we eating every single day? But where was the manna coming down? Wherever the congregation was. So for all the people that wanted to go solo, do their own thing, good luck. Verse 23. At the commandment of the Lord, they rested in the tents, and at the commandment of the Lord, they journeyed. They kept the charge of the Lord at the commandment of the Lord by the hand of Moses. Hmm. So was it, it was something else you were going to go into about the tabernacle? Well, we all know uh, man was given seven days to work and after that, you know, when uh, the millennium reign, which is the great Sabbath, you know, after that it's eight days. So you're looking at eight days there in uh, this vessel we in now, it's temporary. So after that we get a celestial body all of the celestial body, whether it be in uh, the lake of fire or in the kingdom. So that's that kind of where I go sometimes. But I just want to put it out there to the thoughts too. The Body of Christ Church Radio Network broadcasts seven days a week on blogtalkradio.com forward slash the BOCC. Listen to our archived broadcast or check us out while we are live on the air. Come and visit us in the virtual living room at 2 o'clock p.m. on Sundays where we examine current topics according to the scriptures. Are you looking for the truth? Can you handle the truth? Find out on Mondays at 8 o'clock p.m. It doesn't matter what church you attend or philosophy you believe. Take the challenge to see Are You Smarter Than Your Pastor on Tuesdays at 8 o'clock p.m. The world is engrossed in darkness, but it shall be destroyed by the light. Tune in to From Darkness to Light at 7 o'clock p.m. on Wednesdays, where all manner of witchcraft, occult practices, and Satanism is exposed for what it is. Before the light comes, it's time to awake on Thursdays at 8 o'clock p.m. If you are seeking salvation, listen to Repentance is the Key, Fridays at 8 o'clock p.m. And after you have listened to all of these shows, find out how we will become kings and priests Saturday mornings at 9 o'clock a.m. All shows are on Eastern Standard Time. Remember to check out the Body of Christ Church seven days a week on blogtalkradio.com forward slash the B-O-C-C. That's blogtalkradio.com forward slash T-H-E-B-O-C-C. Shalom.
But now we're going to find out what it was. Exodus chapter, Exodus chapter 23, and start at verse 20. Behold, I send an angel before thee to keep thee in the way and to bring thee into the place which I have prepared. So now we're talking about going into the wilderness, going into the wilderness on our journey to the land of promise. And the message is this. I send this angel before you to lead you on that way. Read. Beware of him and obey his voice. Provoke him not, for he will not pardon your transgressions. For my name is in him. For my name is in him. That's letting you know right there. He's telling you. That angel is going to be there guiding you. And that color of cloud by day, the color of fire by night. Beware of him. Don't disobey him because my name is in him. And he's going to be the one that you have to obey. Also, even when you read about the crossing of the Red Sea, it tells you something else about that angel too. So let's stay in the book of Exodus. And I'm going to read one more verse there. Sure, but if thou shalt indeed obey his voice, and this is Exodus 23 and verse 22, but if thou shalt indeed obey his voice and do all that I speak, then I will be an enemy unto thine enemies and an adversary unto thine adversaries. So even when you read in Deuteronomy 18 and 18, and it talks about that prophet that's going to come, that's going to tell you, and you have to listen to the words that he said, it's basically saying the same thing again here, that if you obey the voice of the Lord and do all that he says, then he was going to be an enemy to our enemies and a what? And an adversary to our adversaries, meaning the Lord was going to fight for us because we were being obedient to his word. So whatever this angel was saying to us was the word of the Lord, and by us obeying that, we were obeying the Lord. So when you jump over, say in the book of Exodus and go to chapter 14, and just bringing out something else about how that angel was fighting for us. You just brought it out about the fight for us. So Exodus chapter 14, and jump down to verse 13. Exodus 14, verse 13. And this is the parting of the Red Sea. And Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he shall show you, which he shall show to you today. For the Egyptians whom ye have seen today, ye shall see them again no more forever. They're about to die. And like he said that, no more forever. You're going to see them no more again forever. The Lord shall fight for you, and ye shall hold your peace. What did you just say there? Mm-hmm. And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore criest thou unto me? Speak unto the children of Israel that they go forward. Said, why are you crying to me? Tell the children of Israel, keep moving forward. That's your job. But lift thou up thy rod and stretch out thy hand over the sea and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. And I, behold, I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, and they shall follow them. And I will get me honor upon Pharaoh and upon all his hosts upon his chariots and upon his horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gotten the honor upon Pharaoh, upon his chariots, and upon his horsemen. So now, chariots, the army is coming, chariots, horsemen, and as they're closing in on the children of Israel, something happens in verse 
verse 19. And the angel of God, which went before the camp of Israel, that same pillar, removed and went behind them. And the pillar of the cloud went from before their faces and stood behind them. So what was going on? As the armies are closing in on the Israelites, the pillar moved from in front of them to behind them. Read. And it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel, and it was a cloud and darkness to them, but it gave light by night to thee, so that one came not near the other all the night. So what happened? The darkness was on the face of the Egyptians so that they couldn't move forward to the camp of Israel, and it was light to us throughout the night. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind, all that night, and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. And the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea upon the dry ground, and the waters were a wall unto them on their right hand and on their left. So, Kadar brought out the point about how this angel was going to fight for us when we were keeping the commandments. Well, let's find out how it fought for how the Lord fought for us on this day. Because he wasn't done yet. Verse 23. And the Egyptians pursued and went in after them to the midst of the sea, even all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. So even though we watch every single movie, whether it be the Ten Commandments, Prince of Egypt, whatever they show, they never show what happened to those chariots when they went into that sea. Because that's when the angel of the Lord came and attacked the chariots. And we're about to read it. And it came to pass that in the morning watch, the Lord looked unto the host of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire. Hold up, read it again. And it came to pass that in the morning watch, the Lord looked unto the host of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire. So what's going on? The Lord is through the pillar of fire and watching the whole battle take place. You understand that? He's in the pillar. Read and of the cloud, and troubled the host of the Egyptians, and took off their chariot wheels, that they drave, and that they drave them heavily, so that the Egyptians said, Let us flee from the face of Israel, for the Lord fighteth for them against the Egyptians. So he broke the wheels off the chariot. So we wonder why they couldn't move. They couldn't come after us because the chariots didn't have wheels. So with the wheels broken off, they couldn't attack us, and they couldn't retreat. They couldn't do nothing but wait to die. And that's the type of power that they were going up against. So they finally said, listen, the Lord is fighting against the Egyptians on behalf of them. And the Lord said unto Moses, stretch out thine hand over the sea, that the waters may come again upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots, and upon their horsemen. And Moses stretched forth his hand over the sea. And the sea returned to its strength. When the morning appeared, and the Egyptians fled against it, and the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea, and the water returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen, and all the hosts of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them, there remained not so much as one of them. But the children of Israel walked upon dry land in the midst of the sea, and the waters were a wall unto them on their right hand and on their left. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians, 
And Israel saw the Egyptians dead upon the seashore. And Israel saw that great work which the Lord did upon the Egyptians. And the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. So all of this still pertains to the Peace of Tabernacles, as we're going to find out when we go to the book of 1 Corinthians. Read it out. So what's the brother one of the and get us? Mm-hmm. And in time, he's going to get us to be and fight for us. Yeah, he does. Yeah. So it's still fits. Of course it does. And I mean, that, and that's a good point as well, because when we start talking about, you look at the feast of ingathering, which is what? The harvest. You look at this time of the year, it's the time when they're harvesting. But then you also look at the end of the world, he's going to be harvesting his righteous people. The harvest is the end of the world. The angels are the reapers. So from there, we're going to go to First Corinthians 10. First Corinthians. And see, they're making another Moses, Moses, Moses. Batman is Moses now. No, that's... Uh, they got Christian Bale. He's Moses? Yeah. I thought it was about the Kings, the Book of Kings. No. Oh, gosh. All right, First yeah. Corinthians 10. Batman is Moses. First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1. Matter of fact, I'll let you take it, because First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. So this is Paul speaking, and who is he speaking of? His forefathers that were under the what? The cloud. What we just read in the book of Exodus, how we were leaving out of Egypt and our forefathers were under that cloud and protected. But with the whole thing of us going throughout the whole world and us being scattered, this world is going out everywhere now because of that scattering to gather what? The lost sheep. Verse 2, and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and did all eat the same spiritual meat, and did all drink the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. So when you go back and you look at the history, he brought out the history to show these were all the things our forefathers went through. Now what? Who was following us that time? Who was it that removed from the front and went to the back to protect us all that time? Who was that angel? Read it again. And did drink the same spiritual drink? For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. So that's why at the beginning we opened up and saying this was a true Christian holiday. A, a true Christian holiday, a true holiday that was about our Lord and Savior Christ, unlike the other ones, because it, with the understanding now in the New Testament, it was him that was there all along guiding us. Just like symbolically, then, well, then what happened, he was actually leading us from Egypt, from bondage, into a spiritual land of freedom, and along the way, people were having to die that weren't keeping the commandments. It's right now the same thing that is happening now. We were in bondage spiritually to what? Sin. We were doing all kinds of wickedness, fornication, murder, madness, homosexuality, whatever it is, stealing, robbing, lying, cheating. We were doing all those different things, and Christ redeemed us so now that we are following him. And he's leading us to the promised land only if we obey those words like he told us back then, only if you follow his words. Only if you obey his word is the same thing that he's telling us now. Verse 5. Go ahead. But with many of them, God was not well pleased, 
for they were overthrown in the wilderness. So with a lot of them, it said the Most High was not pleased because they had to die in the wilderness. How many was a lot? 500, yeah. nine, yeah. 598, but the whole thing is really it was only two that made it in. So when he said with many of them, was he not pleased? It was with many of them. But with many of them, God was not well pleased. Mm-hmm. For they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things were our examples to the intent we should not lust after evil things, as they also lust. And that's why, you know, a lot what we focus on in here, and what we focus on is repentance. And we will keep going over and over and over. And people are like, well, why are you always talking about repentance? Because that's what's going to save us. When you look at these brothers here, they saw the miracles. That wasn't enough. They knew that they were Israelites. That wasn't enough. What we really have to understand is how we have to follow and serve the Lord and not go after our lust. Not lust after these gods, these women, these evil things that's out here in this world, this money. All of that. We're not supposed to be focused on that. We're supposed to be focused on the Lord, and when we do, then we're successful. Go ahead. Neither be ye idolaters, mm. as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. So it's warning it to us as well. Stay away from idolatry. But what are our people consumed with nowadays? Idols from the Catholic Church and those idols, St. Paul, St. Peter to witchcraft and voodoo and all the little, whatever they call those little statues they worship in that. What do they call them? It depends on what you're talking about. What? Lysandria, Obea, voodoo, it depends on which one you're talking about. But they got idols or their, their religion or their holidays. All that our people are into, and that's just one set. Then when you start talking about this world, their car, their woman, they idolize those things. They idolize singers. Actors, actresses, that's my idol. I mean, that's not, I mean, it's not even a strange thing for them to say, that's my idol. They have a show. So, and those people do become idols. As soon as they live, or if they're on the show, they run after following them. So it says, neither be ye idolaters, mm. as with some of them, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. So our people were heavily anti-idolatry to the point that when Moses went up in the mount to get the commandments, he came back down and they were into idolatry and what? Next verse. Neither let us commit fornication, as some of them committed, and fell in one day three and twenty thousand. So the warning is going out to stay away from lusting after evil things. Stay away from idolatry. Stay away from fornication. And we are in the land of fornication. But we can't even say we're in the land of fornication. We are in the 